It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Lax Class is now in your ears right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Lax Class 212. 212 is now underway. Thanks for joining us. Jake Elliott, Evan Scheminauer, Santino Farah, the gang is all here for the big episode as it is officially face-off weekend week. We are just days away now. From the start of the regular season, and I could not be more fired up about it. We got a ton to talk about this week. Um, Let's get this out of the way before I get you in here, guys. We were supposed to have the Commissioner Brett Fruit on. Fortunately, timing, Thanksgiving, all that sort of stuff, things just didn't quite line up. But I think it's actually going to work out better anyways, because now the Commission will have a full weekend of games to digest as he'll come on for episode 213. So we'll look forward to Brett Frude next week. This week, however, we got two fantastic guests. You know, a lot of time we we give the the general managers and the head coaches all the shine and attention and all that sort of stuff. Not this week. We're going coordinator style for both quarters two and three. This guy's a former head coach, but now the O coordinator for the Philadelphia Wings. And Jeff McComb, Bubs will join us in quarter number three. In quarter number two was a defensive stalwart standout, just a gamer on the back end for his playing career, now coaching offense for the Vancouver Warriors. In one, flipper Phil Sanderson. He'll join us in quarter number two. Here in quarter number one, it'll be the last week of the big focus for a little bit of time as uh, Stampede Stallions will make its return next week now that we'll have the boys back in action. So uh, bone up on your your horse noises. Evan, I think I'm going to mandate that you just give me at least one little yes. horse noise each week or we're going to have to cut you out of Stallions. Uh, that's that's where I think I might go with that. So hang on, yeah, you, I'm not. You're done. like my coworkers yeah. at the Christmas party yeah. this weekend. Well, it's like, get up on the karaoke. It's a team no. effort here, and uh, people love it. So I think uh, Kevin the, knows I do a lot of good work for him. The He's listeners happy. would appreciate a little little horse. Um, so stallions are coming back next week. We've got big focus coming up here in quarter number one, and quarter number four this week. Here, boys, it's a big one. Lax Glass Locks are back. Book it. We cashed in. We'll talk about that coming up in quarter four. Plus, third season. Who you got? It's back. Courtesy of Stampede Tech and Western Wear. I can't wait for this. We're making picks for this weekend's games coming up in quarter four. And going to get some money in your pocket as well. So, Monster Show coming up. Evan, Tino, welcome back to Lax Class. Uh, Tino, you're up first. How's, how are you feeling, man? You've been off for a couple of weeks here. Yeah, I'm actually had to clear my throat there, ironically. Uh, I'm still battling it a little bit. I've been going through a pack of hauls a day for mm, the past like, well, week and a half. I've been doing that for 23 years, uh, Tino. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it's, it, it's not COVID. Um, I know that I tested negative a bunch of times. It was just like 
the worst, man. Like he was giving me the chills and the body aches and stuff, but I'm on the mend here. Hopefully, um, had myself like a, a pretty busy weekend, so I thought I was gonna be feeling like garbage today. But what'd uh, you do? Farmers markets? What? Do- uh, I mean, I, I guess sort of. Like we went to that Potter's, uh, <laughs> like nursery store, but they have their whole Christmas setup now. <laughs> oh, is there, that they, like so. Art Nap? But but like exactly, oh, it's exactly like God. Art Nap. But they have their whole Christmas setup. And okay, uh, let me tell you this. I'm so one of the respect. first things you see when you walk through this display. <laughs> Is this like life size Mrs. Claus uh-huh. statue? Uh-huh. It's four thousand dollars. <laughs> I want to get to the point in my life yeah. where I can walk in and be like, "Yeah, why not? I'll get that," yeah. and then just have no worry about it. Well, How in the world is this thing four grand? Steer away from this podcast if those are your life goals, Tino. Let me just <laughs> say that, uh, Evan. What's going on with you? What's uh, what's happening in? Saskatoon these days. Well, it's snowing like crazy today, and cars in the ditch all over the place. It's right. it's coming back to winter, and I'm just slowly getting ready to make the trip down to Vegas for the home opener. And yeah, still somewhat in recovery mode from. What about the rush home opener this weekend? Yeah, no, definitely go headed down there for that. Okay. And uh, it's an it's going to be an interesting game because Colorado just does so well in sask all the time it's it's kind of a what's yeah. gonna happen here? i'm so confused oh, no. on that game i don't even know what direction to go uh i gotta get this in here foot fellas because i know you've been waiting anxiously for the the weekly disc golf update i don't know if I, i've told you this guys or not but you know like our group we have these things called bag tags so you know, there's like one to like 60 because there's like 60 people in our group. Each of us have a tag. So when you're going out to play against somebody, you kind of play against the other person. And, you know, the, the lowest number is technically the best player. The highest number is technically the worst player. And you can, you know, these tags get moved around depending on how you do. You can play with just head to head or up to eight people or whatever. And all the tags get passed around as as time goes along. <sighs> Guess who's holding on to number one right now, boys? Took down number one just the other day and uh, walking around. Now i got to avoid the park for a little bit because I don't want to give up the number one tag for a while. But uh, technically, I'm uh, top, of the, top of the heap right now. I'm pretty pumped up about it. Hey, hey. Hard work pays just, off. You can't just sit here and you got to be a title defender here. You can't just sit around and. <laughs> Make that force them to lose your title. I actually went to go play today, and the guy I beat was up there. I was like, "Just give me like one day. Tomorrow, I'll I'll put it back up. But just give me today." And he uh, he let me hang on to it for a day. Uh, there's no way I'm beating him twice in a row. It Jake, was a you, since uh, since you gave out your disc golf updates. Uh, yeah. Do you want to hear how my Overwatch games have been going? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure I people think, want to hear about yeah, that too. Maybe. <laughs> Start your own podcast, pal. (laughs) All right. uh, Enough chit-chat and jibber-jabber. Let's get at her. It's time for the Big Focus. Big Focus. Big Focus. Focus. Another than a Big Focus. Focus. Big Focus. Big Focus. Big Big Focus. Big Focus. Big Focus. Big focus, Evan. Can we get a big focus? One time, Evan. Big focus. Give me a big focus. I'm just focused. Let's go. Come on. Give me just oh one big, 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 big focus. 
You guys got the announcers. One place. time, Evan. It. Come on. One no, time. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> it's the little, it's the giggle after. I know. That's it's it, almost right? worse than anything else. Is that? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. All right. Big focus time here. Brought to you by Rycor Construction. They make it stand out. Talk to uh, Rye of Rycor. They're back on board for another year here on the podcast. So get used to hearing make it stand out because that's what they do at Rycor Construction. They make it stand out. Interior and exterior renovations, kitchens, bathrooms, decks, floorings, fences. They do it all. Quality craftsmanship, exceptional client experience. www.rycorconstruction.ca. The roster deadline for National Lacrosse League rosters has come and gone. Final rosters are in here, boys, as uh, teams had to get down to 21 active for practice and up to six on various holdout, injured reserve, pop, draft, uh, all sorts of different lists, up to six there. So 30 total. Is that right? 31 31. 31 total. And all the lists are in. And, you know, say what you want about who made it and who didn't, who's on a practice roster, who's not. I think the most surprising or intriguing might not be the right word, but you know what I'm saying here is that all the guys that are either a on the injured reserve list, like I've seen more guys on the Mm -hmm. injured reserve list than I've ever seen in years gone past. And a lot of high profile guys on the holdout list as well. Yeah. Just to run down the names, Chase Frazier, Chase Noble, uh, and of course, Jeremy Noble still not even signed. He's a UFA, not signed anywhere. Uh, Gibson on the holdout now. And Digby. Here's that's going to be for a while. Digby, Dawson Thede, Austin Shanks, and Austin Shanks has a work commitment that's going to cause some problems this year. Adam Bomberry, Connor Holden Sellers, Cat- Holden Catoni, Kyle Jackson, uh, Frank Brown, Chris Wardle. And I think that's actually where my starting point is, is how badly Colorado's offense has been decimated before we play a game. Well, I had one guy ask me, like, hey, why is Las Vegas cutting Ty Thompson and then the defending champs are picking up Ty Thompson? Like, what am I missing here? And I'm like, it's got to be injury related. Like, mm-hmm. they just have to be thin over there. And then, sure as shit, the next day the the, the news comes out that Chris Wardle is, is gone to the IR. So it all kind of made sense. But um, And Tyson Gibson in the holdout. And yeah. Ryan Lee's not back yet. And then, you know, you got guys like Rylan Reese going on the IR. And Tino, man, like, I don't know. You tell me, like, are teams going too hard in camp? Are they trying to jam, like, too many hours of work in in a weekend, weekend after weekend, where guys are just dropping? Or is this just kind of an anomaly? Because, man, it's every single team has at least one or two very notable players on their IR right now. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint the problem. I don't think it's necessarily an issue of them going too hard by any means. Um I mean, obviously they are like, they're in training camp. There's certain guys that are trying to make the team. Like there's, there's certain guys that are maybe taking extra shots that, that they shouldn't necessarily like the fringe players or whatever. 
I don't know. Like I said, it, it's it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but that Rylan Reese one is the one mm-hmm. that stood out to me. I feel so bad for obviously him, but Rochester in general is like, you know, when we had uh, their episode earlier in the preview session and yeah. talking He's... about them trying to like uh, in- institute a new or instill a new wave of culture and a winning culture. And Rylan Reese is as important to that culture as anybody on that team. So to have to start the season for, and we don't know how long for uh, how long he's going to be out for. So to at least have to start the season without him in the lineup is, is really tough sledding there for Rochester. Yeah, no question. Like the Rylan Reese is the center of that defense on that team. And you don't have him. you know, that that plus 7,500 all of a sudden looks a little more realistic on them winning the cup. Uh, but yeah, George Colorado. has been crushed, Evan. Like you yeah, think about, have. you know, Miles Thompson, Miles Thompson done gone. for the year. Then you, you look at Hall and White mm-hmm. uh, retiring and like they, they got some holes to fill there in Georgia. And that, that blow of Miles Thompson, well, especially after the whole Randy Stotts thing and everything like that. I don't know how they recover from that. Well, and a guy like Reese Dutch has got to be feeling some pretty serious phone calls at this stage, yeah, especially from Colorado. But, I mean, there's teams out there that need him all of a sudden. And the fact that he got cut from Halifax might be a good thing. What do you uh, make of this? I, I didn't really notice this one, but Panther City, not only did they release Cole Pickup, but also moved Goche, their high draft pick from the active roster to the practice roster, I thought you could have just written his name down in pen the way everybody was talking about Goche going in the draft so high. But, I mean, is he accustomed to the, the offense that's there yet, right? And that's an offense that's getting tough to crack. Yeah. they got a fair number of weapons. So to see him go there, now keep in mind, he had a meteoric rise, right, in, in one season. So the fact that they're going to take their time and try and develop him, I don't think is a big issue. Uh, now, of course, the other thing I'm really kind of proud of is when you look at the goaltending situation, Saskatchewan, uh, Lane Rushka has made the practice roster. So uh, they made the tough decision to cut Cam Dunkerley and they kept the local product. Yeah, I'm interested to see where Dunkerley goes. And the other thing I was interested to see, Tino, is T. Rich signing a contract <laughs> with the Calgary Rev. He went from coach back onto the active roster what is going on in goal in calgary tyler richards back and back to cut today yeah like i (laughs) i don't know what is speaking of of the calgary roughnecks uh for people that have not heard that little soundbite kermalowski appearing on i don't know if it was a calgary radio podcast or something back there and they're talking about training camp and exhibition games and somebody asked him about Van Sheppen and you want straight goods from the head coach <laughs> listen to that interview with Kurt Malowski is he just like uh, my comment was I'm sure he said the exact same thing right to his face if not probably a little a little more x-rated than than what he said on the radio but he did not hold back on what he thought of Van Sheppen's performance through early training camp for Calgary. I'll just say for that. The, for like, those that, yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, I was just going to say like super honest, but I think like super fair. And I think that's something that players will, if they don't, they will come to appreciate it over time. Those were always the coaches that I appreciated the most growing when I was growing up was the guys that, you know, like sometimes they are the hardest coaches are on you, yeah. but 
you're never going to wonder where you stand within their lineup and with them in general. So, no. And like I said, he probably said the exact same thing right to his face before mm-hmm. he, he did the interview as well. Well, of course, Van Sheppen did not play in that exhibition game. Uh, or did but he? For the, I mean, Kurt he, said he wasn't even sure whether he was in the lineup or not. That, that, no, that was in a previous. Yeah, he said oh. he wasn't. He didn't didn't even notice he was out there. And I th- well, th- think the first comment was average or something yeah. like that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you know, there's a reason that I say Kurt Malowski's a top three interview all time on this show, and that's exactly why. Yeah, good or bad, you're gonna get that honest answer. You're gonna get the goods, no question about it. I want to touch on this. Vancouver making a lot of moves uh, just a couple of days ago. Susie. Matuk, uh, that's how you pronounce that, by the way. It's not Modiuk, it's Matuk. Uh, Solomon and Claridge go from the active to the practice roster. Matuk goes from practice to the active, maintaining his practice tag. Uh, then they move Solomon to the injured list as well. But the biggest move that the Vancouver Warriors made was to move Sean Evans from the pup list to the active roster in the final week of training camp, which leads me to believe Evie is going to be available for the season opener there in Toronto. Sean Evans is a go. But it, or, but he could be a healthy scratch, too. He I think could that's be. More of an, he might be. It, it's going to be well a, a day-off decision, really. Yeah. Right. That'll what do you think about Calgary not having a practice roster goalie? I don't think you can go all year like that. I think you can start the year, and Vancouver's going to do the same thing. They're going to start the year with two goaltenders as well. But sooner or later, you're going to have to find a guy to fill that role, not only just for security reasons in case one of your guys goes down, but just for the whole dynamic of morning shoot-around and practice and all these sorts of things where you need the, the guy that goes out early and takes shots pre what light warmups and stuff. And you don't want your starter or your backup doing that. They don't want to do it. And that's where your third goaltender comes into play is you need a guy to be taking those shots from guys mm-hmm. prior to all that. So you can get away with it for a week or two. I don't think it's a long-term plan for either team, but that's how it's going to be to start. Yeah. I think my bigger concern on that one is, is that if the guy isn't on the team, he's not going to practices whenever he's available. He doesn't know where the defensive slides are going. He doesn't know what lanes they want to give up. And if you all of a sudden have to last second bring a guy on because somebody's injured, he doesn't have that base of knowledge. I think you're you're going too far down the rabbit hole there, Evan. If you get to a spot where you're getting to your third goaltender in your lineup, and I know it, it, I think it happened in San Diego maybe a couple years. It happened in Rochester. Yeah, it's very (laughs) rare though, right, where you're going to have to get to that point. And if you do get to that point, I think you can dial the guy in pretty quickly on that. But like I said, it's more for that guy taking shots on on a Tuesday night when it's an informal practice or pr- prior to a game by a couple hours and guys want to get some shots off, that's that's when you need your third guy to come into play. So it'll happen, I think, for both teams. Tino, anything else on uh, roster moves? Uh, I, I don't want to like sit here and go through every single team's roster because, A, that's going to take way too much time, and, B, teams kind of like to announce their official active roster themselves and i don't want to steal anybody's thunder either yeah the only other one that i was going to mention and going i mean you mentioned san diego a minute ago but connor farrell making the team which Mm. i'm so intrigued to see Mm -hmm. how that plays out 
Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, he's a big body, tough to move, I would imagine. But I, I, as far as I'm aware, he doesn't have any box experience. So I, I'm really excited to see them play New York this weekend just to see how he handles it. I'm sure he's just going to be going to the bench from the faceoff dot, and that's going to be his role the entire game. But if I'm if I'm New York and and we're winning that fa- that faceoff, I'm going right at him like immediately. Like don't even give him a chance to get off the floor. Yeah. So I'm so yeah. excited to see. Obviously, he's a big guy, like I said. So like, and it's his- Thornbert there in New York too, still right? And and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but like I think Thornbert is like right up there in all time face-off wins in the National Lacrosse League. He's been yeah. doing it at a high level for a long, long time, and he's really a guy that. I think it's looked over and flies under the radar quite a bit. Like nobody ever talks about Jay Thornburg. Well, I think where uh, uh, Farrell maybe has a bigger impact is in the West where you don't have the likes of Baptiste or Withers or Adler or any of those other guys, right? The guy teams out West don't really have Fogos. They have guys that and it's Hammer Jackson and take it's the Tyler draw. Burton. It's going to be a Nasio when, when he's healthy in yeah. Calgary, you know, yeah, Mike Sam, Messenger, it's yeah. it's not if, if a guy like Farrell can come out and he can win 70, 80 percent of draws with that offense, giving him that many more possessions, okay. there's going to be trouble. I think you're right on that. And I think we're good on quarter number one as well. We got a lot to get through this week. So let's keep a rolling here, boys. Q1 is done. Quarter two is coming up. Phil Sanderson, offensive coach of the Vancouver Warriors, will join us next. Keep it right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, it's John Abbott from TSN. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. All right, lacrosse fans, we're into the second quarter of action here on Lax Class 212. Jake Elliott, Tina Barra, Evan Schemenauer. All with you, along with our good friends at Stampy Tack and Western Wear. They're out there in Cloverdale. They've been there a long time, since 1966. Or if you're not in the area, you're not out there in the Dale, you can shop online because it's still shopping local. Stampede.ca is where you go for that. You know the deal. Boots, hats, jeans, belts, buckles. They got it all at Stampy Tack and Western Wear. A lot of people are into the Yellowstone right now. Maybe our next guest is as well as he makes his debut on Lacrosse Classified. Flipper, it's Phil Sanderson, uh, offensive coach, which I still kind of wrapping my head around a little bit, Phil. Offensive coach of the Vancouver Warriors. Uh, welcome to Lax Class, my friend. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for doing it, man. Uh, well... What's it like, man, getting back into the National Lacrosse League uh, in a coaching capacity here, Phil? I don't know where to begin. We can talk about your playing career, your uh, your summer box career. Let's, But let's start here in Vancouver. As uh, you and Troy Cordenly named to the coaching staff uh, in the offseason, and you're up on the front bench coaching a little offense. First off, what's it like coaching back in the National Lacrosse League and, and coaching offense on top of that? Uh, so excited to be back in this league. It's such a fun league to be in and the exotic places we get to go to. Um, I'm, I'm just jacked to, again, to be, to be back around the boys and, and start playing. 
And uh, yeah, believe you me, it's still, uh, it's still, I still have trouble getting my head around the offensive coach as well. Um, but the boys have been awesome, and uh, they've been, uh, they've been treating me really well and working hard. And uh, I, as uh, my coaching philosophy is, it's a democratic uh, philosophy. So I'm open ears to everybody, and, and everybody's been uh, chipping in, and it's, it's been great. Perhaps the bright spot in the Vancouver offense last year was Keegan Ball. Uh, you know, one, perhaps, Kyle Killen was pretty good too, Evan. Uh, for burger there for killer. So I, I mean, know some bright spots but, uh, for sure. You know, Ball could perhaps be the greatest street agent, street free agent pickup of all time. <laughs> the way he played last season. When a guy has that good of a season, how does he top it? I yeah, uh, I'm real excited to see Keegan. He uh, he's been impressed. Uh, he's impressed me every week, and uh, his leadership and maturity for the game has been second to none. Um, Again, yeah, I'm just real excited to get him going, especially having Jonesy on that left side for the for hopefully most of the season um, with that one-two punch. And I'm not going to sell out Killer. Uh, Killer had 42, uh, 40 as well last year. But just having that extra threat with Jonesy and Baller on the floor, teams won't be able to slide to him uh, like and double team him as much uh, with with Jonesy because they both can put the ball in it, and, uh, as well as everybody else on my offense. I'm really curious. I want to hear kind of your perspective as, as being a defensive guy and now coaching the offense, like you and Jacob alluded to here. I'm curious to know like what your perspective is when you're coming into an offense that, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you watched Vancouver last season, but I'm just curious to know your perspective as a defensive guy coming into a, like a brand new offense to you. Well, I, yeah, again, I, I have been a D guy my whole life and, um, I just think that obviously I'm not going to teach uh, uh, Jonesy and Killen and, uh, and Baller and the rest of the guys how to put the ball in it because I, I probably had 15 goals my whole career. Uh, but I, I again, I can pick up. I feel like I can pick up some uh, def- uh, defensive te- uh, tendencies from the, from the other teams and and see where their breakdowns are happening and and try to put it in those guys' ears to to, to make sure they do, uh, to let them do what they do. Well, that's kind of what I mentioned, Phil. Is that who knows better how to beat an offense than a defensive guy, right? Like, I, it's not that that hard of a transition to to go from one mindset to the other. You just think, well, what worked well against me as a defender? And then you go out and coach that offensively. Um, I just saw the other day, you know, we're sitting there talking about Mitch Jones and Keegan Ball and Kyle Killen. didn't really mention one Sean Evans, who... You know, a little veteran savvy there, I might say. Flip uh, took kind of training camp lightly, but just activated a couple of days ago here. Can we expect to see 15 in the lineup in Hamilton in just a few days from now? Don't want to give any secrets for hoping. Um, his ankle, uh, he did have a, he did have surgery on, on his ankle in the offseason. He is making strides every week. And even if he isn't in the lineup on uh, on Saturday, his leadership and uh, again his 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 presence uh, around camp and around the fellas, I think it's elevated a lot of guys uh, a lot of guys' game. And he's an eight eight uh, eight time Man Cup champion. Like the guy knows how to win. So bringing that kind of pedigree around other guys, I'm I, I, like I'm I'm guarantee you some of it's going to rub rub off on, on a few uh, on a few of the fellas. It's guaranteed win night in Toronto. Now, when you heard that, and I guess the players heard that, does anybody take that personally? Does that give you a little Every extra motivation to try and win per- this? <laughs> Every single one takes it personally. Well, yeah, again, it's uh, it's all about the marketing and all that good stuff. Um, were they taking shots? Uh, most likely, but at the end of the day, uh, we uh, Vancouver and, and, and the team, we 
we haven't really earned uh, anything yet uh, for, for, for people to respect us in the last three years. So I think this year, um, I think this year, hopefully uh, we can turn things around and, and start uh, getting some of that respect that we deserve. To be fair, Dowick did say it wouldn't have mattered who the rock were playing bandits, Thunderbirds, roughnecks, whatever. It was going to be guaranteed win night on, on the season opener, and Vancouver just happens to be in that slot. So nothing personal towards the Warriors. But I still say cram it up, Dowicks, you know what, and cost this guy some money on Saturday oh. night, Phil. Oh, absolutely. Uh, again, uh, I, I, I'm still friends with Jamie, and, uh, and, and yeah, I would love to, love to see the put extra seats in, the, in, 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 uh, in Hamilton for the next game uh, after, after a big Warriors win. Uh, you mentioned the the success, or, or at least to this point, the lack thereof that Vancouver has had over the past couple of seasons. So with that in mind, and people have been talking so much about trying to change the cult, the culture here in Vancouver now with uh, at least half of a brand new coaching staff. Um, in your opinion, what do you think qualifies as a successful season this year for Vancouver? Oh, yeah. well, obviously, our, our first goal is uh, our first goal is uh, to make the playoffs. And then uh, anything that happened after that, um, again, in this league, the parity so, uh, so tight. And uh, if you're not willing to work, then, uh, then you're not going to have success. And I think uh, what we're looking for this year, Troy, uh, Haji and I is a consistent effort uh, of guys and, and, and accountability in the room uh, for guys to work hard for each other. So um, that's what we're hoping for. That's what our, uh, we, we tried to drive away in, in camp last five weekends. Um, it's just, uh, again, you, you play for your teammates and, uh, and you work, you work your nuts off here with Phil Sanderson. And you talked about effort and accountability. And do you, I guess one question is, do you think that from the outside looking in, do you think that was lacking in Vancouver over the last couple of seasons? And then to take it another step, Phil, if somebody d- does need to be held accountable, what does that look like? Is it? floor time is it maybe not being in the lineup is it maybe you know being called out in in the dressing room in front of everybody else or even in the media what does accountability look like to the Vancouver Warriors training or coaching staff well obviously we're not going to call guys out in the media we uh, will keep it in-house um again you get if you work hard and and and, uh, and you want to you want to be an, uh, an asset to the to your teammates then then yeah it, it, uh, you're, you're going to get rewarded with floor time and if you don't, then then yeah, we we will definitely take it away. I think that's the only um, only way you could actually like discipline guys is is taking their floor time away because everybody who we want to be around wants to play and, and be be on the floor. So um, and it, and it's the little things, right? Uh, it's not necessarily if you get four, um, but if he costs us five, then then really, what are you doing out there for us? So again, just the accountability, and we've had it. Like our leadership group, uh, this this camp has has been exceptional. They've uh, they've held the young guys to a high standard. Uh, like Baller and Cods have have been at the top of our fitness level uh, at levels. Jonesy as well, and and guys like that. So uh, yeah, I think uh, and and uh, to to be honest with you, I think guys are just tired of losing. Um, so uh, again, no offense to the the previous coaching staffs, but. Uh, but yeah, I think guys who have just had enough. They uh, they 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 just tired of losing, so they're probably a little disappointed that uh, the coaching staffs may, may have been fired last year. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, I just think they're pissed off and they just want to they just want to win. One of the guys that struggled last year, uh, maybe underwhelmed according to what the expectations would have been, was Adam Charlotte Beatties. 
And, you know, even the odds makers this year, what I believe they put a 13 and a half goal line on him for the year, which surprised a lot of us. What needs to change in Adams game to get him back up to the level of expectation? I think, uh, Bides, he's, uh, I think, uh, confidence. Um, and hopefully we've instilled some of that, uh, into him this, this, this past camp. Like you said, he's a, he's a phenomenal ball player. He's got all the tools. He's, he's hard on himself, which is, which is a great sign for a great athlete, uh, to, to, to be hard on yourself. So I think, uh, I think when Beads finds his confidence and, and that swagger that old guys have, I don't think, uh, I'm not worried about his game at all. I think he'll, uh, I think he's going to beat that 13 and a half. Take it to the bank, Phil Sanderson. Uh, no question <laughs> about it. Uh, where do we want to go here? Maybe the talk about training camp, Phil, because it was a, a bit of a unique one for Vancouver where we saw teams kind of go all over the continent playing exhibition games against each other in some unique locations that we have not seen before. And unlike years past where the entire Western Conference would come through Langley for at least a week or two, we didn't see that this year, which meant no exhibition games for Vancouver. Walk me through that strategy, and how do you think the five weeks of kind of internal competition went for you guys? You must be chomping at the bit to hit somebody in a different color jersey. Oh, hell yeah. No, boys are, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, last couple practices uh, we had, we're, we're pretty aggressive and, uh, and that's a good thing. Um, as for the exhibition games, I think timing was the biggest uh, issue and, and, uh, and uh, accessibility to facilities, but, uh, but yeah, no camp, uh, camp was re- real, real competitive. Even uh, we we did the uh, Coquitlam Crunch. Uh, well, I was going to say our... about that. Let me let me just uh, enlighten the the listeners here, Phil, because I think it was uh, the second to last week of of training camp. You know, uh, uh, it was told you know there's going to be a team bonding experience after after practice, and I think the boys kind of all thought they were going for a big bowling match or maybe some you know lighthearted ping pong or something like that well that quite that wasn't quite the case as you you took him out to my hometown of Coquillam and sent him up a, a steep mountain of stairs uh Evan actually came when he was out here did that and and didn't fare too well I've done it on a, a regular basis for quite some time but from what I was told uh everybody embraced it and Reed Bowering just blew the doors off of everybody yeah, no reader. Uh, he he's a beast, man. He, he uh, his athleticism is uh, it, it's un it's un uh, it's unreal. I think he beat everybody by a minute and a half, if uh, memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, the boys were a little disappointed when uh, opposed to going bowling, but but uh, no, everybody did it and everybody pushed each other. Like we had three uh, three teams of uh, of eight, I believe, or, or nine guys, and they all uh, so they were they, picking teams at the end of practice. Sorry to keep cutting you off here, but at the good. end of practice, they you know all gathered around, and the three captains got up there and they're picking their teams, thinking they're picking their bowling teams when they really should have had the strategy. Like, okay, I should probably go with the young guys and the skinny, the quick guys, and the. But no, they're picking bowling teams instead of picking guys to run up a mountain with, <laughs> which I thought was. Hilarious. I don't know. I don't know how uh, we had the. Uh, I guess the six or seven of us of so the coaching and the uh, the management staff. How we kept it a secret that long yeah. was uh, was uh, was amazing. But uh, yeah, no, it. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they did uh, a bunch of guys that were picking guys for their bowling uh, averages because I thought I heard a couple of three hundreds uh, yeah, thrown out there, sure. but. But yeah, no, they, uh, they, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Guys had a lot of fun and, and, 
and yeah, and uh, I know there are one gentleman, he, he was having a, a tough time finishing. So three or four guys uh, off their team went back and helped them run it. That's the way he did. That's yep, no, team, right uh, there. Culture right there, Phil. 100%. No, boys are, boys are buying in and, and uh, that, to that team, uh, that team mentality that Dingo likes. So it's, uh, it's good. Uh, at the end of last season, uh, Tyrell Hammer Jackson is one of the guys that finished uh, with an injury. Um, and then I, 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 at least I was under the impression that he was coming into this year healthy, but uh, at least on the day of recording, when lists have to come out, he finds himself on the injured reserve list again. Is there a status update on him? Is he going to be ready just in a couple of weeks here? Or, or what do you think? Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he is. Um, he got banged up a little bit. Uh, again, uh, we had a pretty competitive, uh, a pretty competitive and demanding camp and, uh, he, he, uh, he's, he's fighting a couple of nagging injuries as, uh, last few, uh, last few weekends. So we're just making sure a hundred, that he gets a hundred percent. So it doesn't, uh, doesn't linger all season. And, and maybe just on that point, when you're facing a guy like TD Ireland in the, in the opening game, and you're you don't have Tyrell Hamer Jackson. How does that change the game plan? Uh, four back. <laughs> 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 no, we uh, we 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 we've talked about that. And uh, again, when you get a dominating face-off guy, uh, you're not going to win it. Obviously, uh, or you're not going to win too many um, easily. So in that in that aspect, uh, you, you get in a shit fight, and or, you're going to you're good. Fight you're and, good. Uh, okay, loose ball fight, and. Uh, and yeah, just hopefully our, our guys are, are are hungrier than the than the rock. A shit fight. That kind of sounds like a tea uh, euthanism right there, Phil. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong. And um, you know, I probably should have said to you this before we hit recording button, but I believe it's his anniversary just a couple of days ago. So my my condolences. Uh, that kind of popped up in my memories and on social media. It's it's been a while now, but uh, man. Still miss T quite a bit. Like this would be kind of the time that we'd always be talking to Terry, and I'm sure you would be as well. Uh, you know, as we lead into a season. Yeah, it was uh, eight years ago yesterday. Um, yeah, I miss him every day. It was uh, if my old man was one A, he was one B growing up. Uh, the shooter and I we were we're the same age, so we uh, we hung out quite a bit. Uh, yeah, no, he uh, and uh, again, uh, Troy and I's philosophy uh, is a, is is a great. Uh, it, it, we try to. We, we use a lot of his tactics and uh, and his mindset and his mindset was team all the time uh, and accountability and work ethic. So that's what we're trying to keep his, uh, keep his legendary uh, coaching style alive by, by using it ourselves. Yeah. There'll, there'll only be one. And I think that kind of leads into my question pretty well here, Phil, is that, you know, with him or Jackson out, some other guys are going to have to step up and, and step into roles that they may not be predominantly suited for. And one of those guys is going to be Ryan Martell, uh, who's going to have to take some draws for you along with Galliardi. But with that being said, like, and there's, you know, Martel and, and I think Delmonico, another guy who had a fantastic camp for you guys and really pushed for a roster spot up front, but just couldn't quite get there, but was more than willing and happy to embrace a, a transition role as is Ryan Martel to be a part of this team and, and maybe get out of their comfort zone a little bit, but try and contribute in other ways. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. We we've got three or four guys that uh, that again that are just Connor phenomenal Nunwin, athletes. Another, yeah, yeah, they're phenomenal athletes, and uh, and and yeah, we didn't want to cut them because they couldn't make the O door. So uh, we we've uh, we've had a, a bit of a test and put them down the back door. And, and all got all the four guys that we we've done that to have embraced it 
and and have, have excelled at it. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, I think they're a lot farther than than Haji and Dingo uh, expected to be at this time. So we're real excited because when you got the when you got guys that can finish like those guys on uh, pushing the ball up the floor, you're not uh, you're not worried uh, about them shooting and, and and staying up and playing and and being effective uh, uh, up on the offensive door as well. I don't know who's up, but it's not me. I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I think we're all steady. Okay, I'm not looking at my camera. You guys should know this by now. I'm playing DJ on my mixer board here to make sure our audio levels all sound the same. Phil, uh, I think I'm done too, man. I am so fired up for the season to begin. It gets going in Toronto, and then you're in Calgary the following week. Home opener at Rogers Arena on the 16th of December. Uh, safe travels. Good luck, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, my friend. Thanks for doing this. No, thank you, guys. Uh, great job, and uh, keep up promoting this great game of lacrosse. You got it, pal. Talk soon. See you, boys. There you go, Phil Sanders. We didn't even talk about Flipper's playing career, and the guy was an absolute weapon out on the floor. <laughs> I think he's going to make a great coach as well, but pretty successful playing career in the National Lacrosse League, of course, in the summer as well, coming up through Orangeville and, and Brampton, and – Listen, the guy's got the last name Sanderson. You know good things happen to those people. And I couldn't be more fired up to have Phil and, and, and Dingo join Haji on the bench and see where they can take this team here in Vancouver. Well, there's a bit of pressure. I mean, this team has struggled for a while. The fans are expecting good things. The offense is set. You know, I think the question remains, can Goalie. the goaltending yeah. catch up? Right? And we didn't even get to ask him about that, right? Uh, but by all accounts, kind of... Watching through camp here a little bit, Steve, Steve Fryer has performed very well through through camp. Now the question becomes, can he do it on a consistent basis when the bright lights are on? And is he going to be up for the challenge? I sure hope so. I think he can. And I think what's going to benefit Steve Fryer is that he knows he's going to get a long leash here to have a good go at it. Like he doesn't have to worry if he has one bad game Who's over his shoulder? Who's gonna? Who's coming? Right? Like he's gonna get a run of three, four, five, six games here to prove that he can be a number one guy in the National Lacrosse League, and time will tell. And then you got uh, Walsh behind him, who's who's gonna be pushing. He's a real good young up and coming goalie, but needs a, a little seasoning. And then you got Woods, uh, who is gonna start the year on on the IR. They're gonna start the year with two goalies there in Vancouver, and. Woods needs to to recoup from a bit of a knee injury. He's got a young family now as well, and he'll join the team as the season moves along. But you're right. I think, you know, coaching, offense, defense, it's all there. It's it's hard to hang it all on one spot, Tino. But really, it, I think this does come down to goaltending here in Vancouver. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about all offseason. We know that their their offense is it was good enough last season. And I think with the addition of Sean Evans on the right side, I think it's going to be really deadly this year. Their defense last year took a big step. I expect them to take another step this year and and be even better than they were last year. You're bang on. I everyone's heard me talk about the goaltending in Vancouver, so I'm not going to continue to harp on it, but yeah, the, the goaltending is the biggest factor here, and hopefully Steve Fryer can get it done. Well, one place where goaltending is not an issue is in Philadelphia. They got Zach Higgins there. The defense was pretty solid as well. And if you're looking for a spot where offense might have been the issue, it might have been in Philadelphia. So what did Paul Day go out and do? 
hired one of the greatest minds in box lacrosse when it comes to offense in the former head coach of the Saskatchewan Rush, three-time champion as well. And Big Bubs, Jeff McComb. We've had him on rush hour. Now we'll get him on lax class, halftime, and then third quarter action. Bubba is next here on lax class. Keep it right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Casey Powell. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified as we are into the second half, which means the third quarter is underway here on episode 212. Thanks for joining us. Uh, And thanks to this man for joining us as well as he is a three-time NLL champion as the offensive coordinator for the Saskatchewan Rush, former head coach of the Rush as well as Bob's. Jeff McComb is here on Lax Class, so I was going to say back on Lax Class, but we did this with Rush Hour. I don't think we've ever done this on Lacrosse Classified. Uh, how's it going, man? Congratulations on the gig with Philly, and, and welcome to Lax Class. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, no, it's, it's been good with Philly so far. Or Looking forward to this weekend, getting her fired up. Yeah, it's it's for real, man. It's go time here. But, uh, well, let's spin it back in. Maybe we'll take it right back to Saskatchewan, Jeff, and, and start there. You know, a long time as the O coach, alongside Jammer, and, and then the promotion to, to the head coach, things did not go as well as I'm sure you wanted or expected or anybody expected there in Saskatchewan. But I think a lot of contributing factors going into that. But, I don't know, maybe tell me what you learned about yourself as a head coach in the National Lacrosse League. Yeah, no, it's, it certainly did go as we wanted to, right? And I, as the head coach, you're the one that ends up taking the uh, blame on that lots of times. So that's the way sports works and no surprises there. So I think the, the biggest thing you you learn is, you know, when you go into those situations and you, you come out of it and you, you look back at it is always, and you've probably heard this from many, many coaches in their first go arounds. And that is that you have to be yourself and you have to do things, um, the, the the next time you do it differently because you do it the way you wanted to do it, but we're maybe not sure how, how to go about it the first time or, you know, we're worried about upsetting the alpha card or changing things too much from where they were. So um, that's probably the biggest thing uh, looking back on it is to be a little bit more vociferous or aggressive with what, you know, I wanted to do versus being passive and maybe allowing just the things to run the way they've always run. Looking back at the season that was in Philly last year, the the offense did reasonably well the first seven games, and then the last 11, they only averaged nine goals a game, and they were winning games, but winning it with single-digit goal totals. What do you think went sideways with the offense, and what needs to change to get the goal scoring back up to double digits? Yeah, I, I think... You know, Philly they scored the least number of goals in the league last year when you, when I started looking at it and we first came in and but had the the best power play percentage in the league. So you know that tells you that you're probably not getting goals a ton five on five and a ton out of transition. So um, for us, the focus this year has been to play a little faster, play a little earlier, see if we can generate some offense uh, goals early in offense and. Um, be a little bit harder to play against because I think that was some of the stuff that happened at the end of last year where we, looking back at their 
video and that they just didn't seem to, you know, be hard to play against. And I think, you know, that's a big thing in this league. Defenses are so good and so physical that on offense, you have to be physical and tough and hard to play against almost as much as defenses are. Uh, you talk about playing with speed, um, and one of the guys that helps create speed, especially off the faceoff there, is Trevor Baptiste. Um, I know he goes out the D-gate mostly for for Philly, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on him coming from Saskatchewan and now seeing him for kind of the first time in Philly. Well, I think, you know, and I've told Trevor this himself, and I think there's uh, many people around the league will tell you the same thing, is when Trevor first came in the league, he was purely just a, you know, face-off, get-off guy, Fogo where you were like, if he was on D, you were going to attack him. If you're, you know, when Sass the first year he was there and we played him, he said, if he's out there, we're going to go at him. Where I think he's really developed himself into a player that you can trust on the floor, at, not only defensively, but in transition and face-offs. And, um, and the best part of him, he's the, he's the best individual ever. Like, he's just the salt-of-the-earth guy and loves the game and wants to learn and wants to be part of it. And so, you know, the, the group has been a great group in Philly, and he's been a large part of that. He's just an awesome individual. Just like yourself, Jeff. Salt-of-the-earth, pleasant to be around. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always tell people this when, when I'm talking about you, Bubs, is that I think you're one of the – most brilliant minds the game of box across has seen offensively. And I, I kind of wondered when you were in the middle of the bench, whether you were able to utilize everything in your capacity to be as good of an offensive coach as you have been in the past. And I think part of what makes you so successful, like I've watched you in practice, I'm not going to sit here and give away company secrets or anything, but I think what makes you and your offense so successful is that you can go out and run something and almost immediately evaluate on the fly the adjustment or the the spin off of that play that needs to come next to keep a defense off balance. Were you able to do that as a head coach as much as you are when you're just focusing solely on coaching offense? Uh, it's a really good question. Thank you think... very much. <laughs> no, and I think that there's some, when you're a head coach and like you have to let people do their jobs, right? So uh, you don't want to be down there every five seconds telling, in, in my case, it was Jimmy Q there. Like, Jimmy, I think we can do this. I think we can do that. Like, you want to let Jimmy do his job. And he had some different ideas that I did, like, yeah. but good ideas. And um, tried to build off the same stuff, but I know that um, too many cooks in the kitchen too, right? Like if I'm saying one thing, Jimmy's saying another, like you kind of have to let guys do their jobs. So I think, you know, Jimmy and I would have those conversations, but you couldn't get kind of that immediate change or, or direction a lot of times because you want to let uh, filter it through Jimmy or maybe the way I'm seeing it, it's not the way they're seeing it exactly. And you can't have eight people telling the guys what to do. Now, one of the guys you are very familiar with on this Philly offense is Ben McIntosh, of course, several years together in Saskatchewan. Nice to have uh, him back, eh, Bob? So <laughs> Great to be back with Ben. Yeah, I know. It's uh, family's one of the family favorites, too. So the family's uh, happy to be back with Benny as well. So what's, what's the same, and I guess, is what is different about coaching Ben McIntosh in Philly? Uh, well, what's different, I guess, is he's one of the, the one guy who really knows the system. So I've leaned on him certainly to kind of pick apart like, Hey, what did you guys do that you did well? 
uh, what, that we can use? What do you think you need that I can bring to the table that uh, might be able to help you guys in your offense? So he's been kind of that guy that I've leaned on, and um, we've had a lot of good dialogue back and forth uh, about what, uh, how to build this here in Philly. And I just think, you know, Ben is excited to be back in this type of offense where there's some structure that he knows and he's comfortable with. And uh, the really thing I like about Ben and the way I teach offense is, you know, I, I don't want just a guy who's a ball carrier. I don't want just a guy who's a shooter or just a guy who's an off ball player. Like we love to have guys that can do all of that. And Benny is really a guy that can do all of that. Like you can put him in any situation there and he's going to exceed, succeed, whether it's as a feeder or an outside shooter, which he's really improved his mid range game over the years Uh, inside. Obviously he's phenomenal on the crease. So um, uh, having all those different dimensions to his game makes him extremely dangerous. So we're finally within week one for in what felt, it just took forever. It feels like to get here. And your guys' first opponent is going to be Halifax. Uh, last year, Philly went 0-2 against Halifax back-to-back weeks. I'm pretty sure it was the same score, if I'm remembering right. They lost 10-8 both times. Um, what kind of problems or challenges does Halifax provide when uh, when you guys are playing them, especially in their own building? I don't know. They have this guy named Graham Hossack that's okay. <laughs> He provides a bit of a challenge. Uh, You know, Warren Hill's been great in that for him. They're physically, physical defensively, big guys. They don't like to switch a lot. You know, they uh, pack it in. So they're a tough D to play against. You got to, as it's kind of a mantra, but you got to play hard. You got to get to the middle of the floor and try to spread them out a little bit by getting to the middle of the floor, playing quick, because I think they are a bigger defense and Hopefully by playing quick, playing fast, you can get some early opportunities against them. But it's certainly a challenge. And at the other end of the floor, we all know how good Cody has been over the years and the group that they have there. So it, it'll be a handful for our D as well. Here with Jeff McComb, offensive coach for the Philadelphia Wings. I'm going to have to get used to saying that a little bit. And and we talked a lot about guys me, that you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah, hey, cheesesteaks, though, man. They don't have those things in, in Saskatoon, right? No, well... I'll tell you a good story. So the first weekend of camp in Philly there, uh, uh, they came to us after the Saturday session and said, hey, we got your box tickets to the Sixers oh. at the Wells Fargo. Awesome. We went to the – so we get in the box, great night. So you know what the difference is between coaching in Philly and coaching in Sask? <laughs> when I was offered box tickets in Sask, it was to the curling trials. <laughs> So and the box and the box at the Sastel Center maybe not quite as nice as the ones at the Wells Fargo Center, right? Uh, They're both nice. Yeah. I don't know. The Sastel Center was awesome to yeah, us, so I don't want to say anything bad there. I won't call you. I won't call you a liar, but you're a liar. You talked about Ben and, and some guys you're familiar with. Maybe talk about some of these other offensive guys that you've coached against, but not really, sort of thing. But now you have under your wing. Joey Rez and Reardon and Rambo, uh, these guys that you've probably gotten to know over the last several weeks here and, and maybe what you didn't know about them that you know about now. Yeah, I'll go with the two U.S. guys first. There are two lefties there, uh, Rambo and Reardon. Um, both really, really just students of the game and want to learn and soak it up. I'm so impressed by how they were excited to have me come aboard. They're excited to learn. They've asked a ton of questions. They've been really involved in it. Um, and not, you know, guys that 
they're really dedicated to it. And sometimes, you know, as Canadians, I think at times we think of the U.S. guys, oh, they're focused on the PLL or their field game or whatever. But these are guys who are invested here in, the, in this league and want to win and want to produce. And, you know, I've been really, really impressed with both those guys. So I'm excited to work with them. Joey Rez, just shoot the lights out. That guy can do, like, it seems like everything he touches goes in the net. And he's another guy that's extremely competitive, got a great fire in him that wants to, you know, succeed. So he, you know, we, we missed him for a weekend because he was in, lives in South Buffalo and was had the travel restriction. So we couldn't even get him out there, out of there last, uh, the week before last. So um, he's kind of a week behind with us, but I don't think that's going to matter much because um, he's still going to get his 40 or 50, no matter what he's doing. One of the things that maybe was missing from the wings offense last year was a, a guy that was really going to crash and burn. You know, a lot of, you had a lot of outside shooters on this team. You know, you're missing, say, that Marty Dinsdale type uh, in the lineup. How do you approach that? And I guess, how do you get guys to get comfortable wanting to go to the net more? Well, I think that's been a real focus of our camp is making sure that, you know, I'm a big believer in rolling all on all picks and not picking and popping. And we've done a ton of drills and a ton of um motion stuff where we're trying to embed that in what we do is that you're going to the net at all times. Um, we have a rookie in camp, Hunter Lemieux, lefty, big, solid kid who has really kind of provided that kind of inside big pick setter, get to the middle of the floor type guy on our left side. So I hope he can produce there. And uh, as I said, it's kind of an expectation we have of our whole group. We just don't want one or two guys doing that. You want everybody to do a little bit of that so that if everybody does a little bit of it, then he end up with a lot of guys getting to the middle. He sounds like he should be in like slap shot or something, Jeff. Hunter Lemieux from the, like, the, yeah. the prison. Yeah, right? exactly. From the Quebec penal league. That's yes. right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm curious to know from your perspective coming over from Saskatchewan, is there a guy on, on Philly's defense now that you're looking forward to not having to coach against a guy that was just kind of a pain for you to have to deal with when you were over in Sask? Fortunately, we didn't play them that much. Like if you asked me on a Western team, I could give you about five guys on each D that we wouldn't want to see anymore. But um, no, the Philly guys, I, I'm just getting to know that group at the back door for the most part. But I've been really impressed with uh, the Charbonneau and Pace. And, you know, I, I had Ian Lord back on a Canadian field lacrosse team back in 1996. And Ian's still playing and still in great shape. And he's a pain in the butt to play against because he's really kind of tough and you know, gritty and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing all those guys kind of fly their trade back there. And I think that's been a focus at our back end as well as be tough to play against. I think, you know, if that was one theme of our camp, it's be tough to play against. Last one for me, Bubs. And I uh, got to admit, man, pretty jealous that last weekend you, the, the Wings and the Georgia Swarm got to go to the motherland there in Onondaga. Looked like an unreal experience. Uh, what was it like to to be on on that land and, and playing the creators game in uh, really one of the birthplaces of the sport? Yeah, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say it was my first time at Onondaga. So um, you would have thought with everything I've done, I've been around, I would have been there before, but I wasn't. And it was uh, a, a great experience. The arena there is just amazing. Like you can just feel the kind of aura uh, when you step into it and it kind of already has that history and you drive by the outdoor box with the grass in it and uh, we had the infinite pleasure of having Oren Lyons come out and talk to both teams before the game and kind of nice. give us the history and yeah. some of the stuff there and it's just it just makes it so you felt like so special to be able to play there and on those uh, on that land and in front of those people and they treated us amazing and 
you know, get getting to stand with Jeremy Thompson while Oren was talking was a huge, you know, Jeremy's been part of us with the rush and yeah. have a great history with him. So we had to be there and celebrate kind of lacrosse. It, it makes really brings it home how special and how big the game is in terms of it's not just I think Oren said it best is it's not a sport. It's a game and what it means to the people who are involved in it and reminds you just how small and special a community that it is. You guys good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. I'm good. All right. I think I'm good too, Bubs. Uh, I hope the Philly Wings are good this year as well. Good luck against those Thunderbirds, and uh, I'm sure we will cross paths again soon. Welcome back to the National Lacrosse League, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. There you go, Jeff McComb. And uh, like I said, boys, I had you know, a good chance to spend a lot of time around Jeff for a couple of years while I was with the Rush and you know, had the opportunity to – get really close to to him and that team and, and be able to be out on the turf during shoot around and practice and watch him work and hear the words he was speaking to his team. And I've been around a lot of different coaches in my time in this sport or in this game, as, as Bubs just said. And I tell you what, this guy's mind for offense in box lacrosse is really unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Really unparalleled, like brilliant. Yeah, it it really is. It's also perhaps the most complex system that there is in the league. Yeah. So you're so right. Philly, you're right. Like it, if you don't, if you can't grasp it, and like I think Marshall Palace might have been a prime example. Jeff Shatler, even Evan, his mm-hmm. first couple of years in Saskatchewan, really struggled to grasp the concepts that he was trying to coach to him. And it just takes time, and some guys get it right away, and it, others really got to work for it. And that's the thing. If Philly can grasp the, this whole concept, they're going to be dangerous. You know, the, the defense and the goaltending did their job last year. So if they can grasp it, it's going to be great. If, you know, if they can't right off the hop, we might see a struggle for a few games. So we'll wait and see how it turns out. Yeah. And Philly was actually my dark horse last year. And that's why I was, you know, a little bit frustrated when they went through their tough stretch towards uh, towards the end of the season. So yeah. I'm hoping they can get off to a hot start and, like you guys said, get to the net. A little well, bit. it's going to be fun to watch. They kick off the season Friday night, TSN, Game of the Week, face-off weekend. It's all coming up in just a matter of hours now. Coming up next here on the podcast, however, it's quarter number four. Get ready for the money drop, y'all. We cashed. And we got another Lax Glass lock for you. And the triumphant return. What is it, Evan? Season three? Season four? Where are we at? Season three. Season three. The reigning champ is talking junk on social media already. Who you got is back in quarter four. Keep it right here. Lacrosse Classified. Back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging. A fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Keegan Ball from the Bank River Warriors. You're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified into quarter number four we go, which means no more breaks, but it also means I need to tell you about associated labels and packaging. Over 40 years of experience in the label and packaging industry, they are the best at what they do. They always keep the environment in mind. They focus on ethics, quality, people, 
And of course, they're family owned by some of my favorite people and Sean and Karen Ashworth, Jay Ashworth and the whole gang there. Fantastic people, fantastic company and fantastic packages and labels. Associated LP. Dot com. They're back for another year on the pod as well. Fellas, this is a monster fourth quarter coming up right here. And you know what uh, we like to do in the fourth quarter. But before we get to all that, I want to encourage people to subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you're listening, Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that five-star review and jot down a couple of words about the podcast if you are so inclined. Then give us a follow on social media at Shamblax, at Ferretino, at PXP for sports for our personal accounts. We've got a Facebook page. We've got an email address at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. We are lacrosseclassified on Insta and laxclass on Twitter. Give us a follow. Stay engaged. Stay in tune with the show every single week. Uh, we're going to talk about who you got coming up, but before we do that, it's Lax Class Locks. It's locked. When you write 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hear by the clip, it's a big luck, all right. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> dollar, dollar. Wax, oh, the money drop. You heard it right there. It's been quite some time. Well, I guess not that long. But, Evan, uh, you tell me. Tino, you weren't part of this last week, so you get no <laughs> credit whatsoever. Evan That's and okay. I... I almost think I should take sole credit of this because I pretty oh, come much, on. I pretty much convinced Evan to to go with all right. of these picks, right. which right. turned right. out to come out to a plus eleven hundred, which might be our biggest cash ever here on the podcast. I think you need to play that money drop twice. It was that big. Yeah, it was massive. Uh, over in Canada, Croatia, a draw between the Spaniards and Germans. And then it was a little dicey this morning, Evan, waiting for the Brazilians to show up against Switzerland. But what a strike for the one nothing, one nil, I should say, one nil victory over the Swiss for Brazil to bring home a plus eleven hundred bet here on Lax Class Cha Ching. You're welcome, classmates. We're gonna try and do it again here for you this week. We finally have. National Lacrosse League action to talk about, and uh, well, I can't do it, but to gamble on here, courtesy of Cool Bet Canada. Now, the bonus code is still in play here, people. This is the perfect time to get back or get on Cool Bet if you have not done this already. Coolbet.com, sign up for your account before you make your first time deposit. Put in the bonus code LAXCLASS. And CoolBet will match you up to $200. So you put in $50, they will match you $50. You put in $100, they will match you $100. If you put in $200, CoolBet will give you $200 free on your first time deposit. This is an absolute no-brainer. Do it. 
Also, we talked about juicing things up here a little bit on the podcast, and our good buddy, country manager, Mr. TSN and Halifax Thunderbirds and all that, Patty Gregoire, lacrosse superstar, has uh, upped the ante, so to speak, here a little bit. So, sign up. Get your account. Bonus code LOXCLASS. Get your free money. Then, every time that you bet on an NLL game on CoolBet, screenshot it, share your bet slip on Twitter and tag LaxClass and CoolBetCanada. Each time you do that, you're entered to win a monthly contest, which CoolBet, which contains, includes CoolBet swag and NLL tickets. Now, depending on where you're located, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Toronto, Vancouver, We'll get you the cool bet swag and NLL tickets to an upcoming game. All you got to do is make a bet for National Cross League, screenshot it, tag us on Twitter, and you're into the draw just like that. It doesn't matter if it's five bucks or if it's 50 bucks. You're in the draw. There you go. So if that's not incentive, I don't know what is. Hop on coolbet.com, bonus code lax class. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. This week, fellas, uh, what we're going to do here is we're each going to do an individual two-game parlay. So this is just for us personally. You can, you know, follow along, pick one of these if you want to take one of our advice. And then we'll each make a pick for the official Lax Class Lock of the Week. You down with me here? Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So, Evan, are you, are you sure you sound okay there, Evan? I don't know oh, I'm good to go. Okay, that was a weird noise you just made there. I'll let you go first with your individual parlay, please. I'm playing a pretty conservative week one because there's always teams that surprise us to the good. There's always teams that surprise us to the bad. So, let's keep it really, really simple. It is guaranteed win night in Toronto. Uh, and I'm taking the Toronto Rock. Just because it's guaranteed win night in Toronto doesn't mean they're guaranteed to win. You know that, right, Sheminar? Well, but you know what? I'm going to lash into Dalwick if they don't win, so he knows he knows it's coming. Yeah, because he, he's is, out on the turf the scoring biggest, goals and making saves, right? Like They are <laughs> the right. biggest favorite of the week at minus Fine. 217. Fine. And I'm going to take the Georgia Swarm to beat the Rochester Nighthawks. It is in Georgia. And with no Ryland Reese, I just don't have the faith in the Nighthawks to get there. It only pays a buck twenty-six, but you know what? It's a nice start safe out with a win, get right? You a yeah. positive. Get get on the right foot out of the gates. I don't mind it. Yep. I don't mind it. Just saying it's not guaranteed they're gonna win just because it's guaranteed win night. All right, Tino, your personal parlay, please. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, two money line picks. I'm going to take San Diego minus 35 or 135, sorry, and Halifax minus 154, and it gets you a total of uh, plus 187. I don't mind. And that's an interesting one. Minus 135 for a team that's that favored, right? Yeah, to win the whole to win the whole thing, they're just starting with just a minus one thirty five on the road early season. Uh, Audi suspended too for uh, the first game of, the and year. it's on the other coast. Very good. Uh, for me, I love my over unders. I'm going over in Toronto, Vancouver. I think we're going to see some goals scored in that game. So over twenty two and a half there, and I'm taking Georgia on the point spread here. Minus 1.5 uh, for a minus 110, 
which gets you around 68, 69, 69, boys. Nice. Uh, on the return there, your cool bet return for that little two-gamer. And now our parlay, our lax class lock of the week, where we each make one lock pick guaranteed Bet the mortgage, all of it here. It's coming in week one. Tino, you go first. Give me the over 22 and a half in San Diego versus New York. That high flying offense. Plus, you know, guys. I think you could make it 45, side. Tino, in this game here. Let's see it. Hey, if it hits seals. 45, that means that we win. So yes. we're good. Okay. Over in San Diego and the Riptide, I think that is a money bet. I think that is an absolute lock. I like it. Evan. I'm playing it safe, and I'm keeping the Toronto Rock at two seven minus two seventeen to win. Man, just everything all in on Toronto this week. Yep. Okay? okay. Remember, I'm not allowed to pick Vancouver uh, for another yeah, month, right? It's, uh, it's, it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> I am gonna go with the Buffalo Bandits. Sorry, Glenn and Clamor and uh, company there in Albany. But I think the Buffalo Bandits are still fuming. I know Steve Dietrich, has, he's still thinking about like a decade ago and losses in championship games. So surely he's still thinking about last year. And what better way for the Bandits to start out at home against the Firewolves and just hammer them. So I'm taking the Bandits to win by at least two goals here. So when you add it all up, it's the Rock over the Warriors on the money line. It's the Bandits on the point spread over the Firewolves. And it's the over between the Seals and the Riptide. And we're probably looking at around a plus 500 for this puppy, which is a modest, it's not 1,100, like we just won last week. People, don't forget that, right? Like, this is goodwill that we just built up this past week. So you're playing with house money leading into week one of the National Crowds League. And if you haven't got on board yet, then that's on you. That's your fault. So don't waste. Don't miss out. Get in. Cool bet. Bonus code Lax Class. And get on this Lax Class parlay. Just in the search bar there. Search up Lacrosse Classified. And uh, lay down every cent that you have in your savings account, and uh, you can thank us later. Are we good? We're good. We're good. All right, there is Lax Class Locks, and now it's time for Who You Got. It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who You Got? Oh, how good is it to hear that right there? Who you got is back, courtesy of Stampede Tack and Westernware. Of course, they're back, Evan. And we'll uh, we'll have our weekly prizes, courtesy of Stampede Tack and Kevin Michael Winkler. And then the grand prize as well. It'll all be up for grabs here all NLL season long. As Evan, I want uh, we've had a lot of people sign up for, for who you got over the last week. We'll put out the reminder a couple more times here via social media as well, and we'll do it now here on the podcast. But I want you to go step-by-step, step, tell people where they go to find the pool, how they sign up for the pool, how the pool works, all of that sort of stuff. That's on you. Go ahead. 
So just three steps to it. One is to go to officepooljunkie.com. And when you get there, sign up for an account. If you played last year, you can use the account you had last year. And I'm just going to stop you, Evan. The, the link to the pool is also on the Twitter and Instagram accounts for Lacrosse Classified as well, right in the, the profile, the bio there. Direct link if you want to do it that Absolutely way. Absolutely is. And so, like I said, if you're new to it, sign up, get an account. And uh, once you get that, just search for Stampede Tack or who you got, and the pool will appear, and join the pool. And same rules as last year, for those that played it last year. You're going to pick the winner of each game, and you're going to assign it a confidence. So that confidence is you're going to have put eight points on the game that you are most confident in who the winner is. And There's why no... is it eight points, Evan? Tell us why because it's eight Because the... The weeks in the schedule with the most games have eight games. So in those weeks, you go eight through one. This week, there are six games. We're going eight through three. Uh, and then, you know, so select your winner, select your confidence. And at the bottom, there's a tiebreaker, which is the combined score in the last game of the week. Uh, and that tiebreaker comes into effect more often than we care to think. So Put some thought into it. Yeah, well, think and of you it. you can think... change your picks all the way up to game time for each game. And the other thing, the other you thing can... you're yeah. going to want to okay. do with this Keep is when you, when you uh, join the pool, there are options for auto picks. And the reason you might want to take one of these is that in the event you all of a sudden forget to make your picks one week or you forgot to make it on time for game one, the computer will at least pick one based on how you told it to pick. And... That way, you know, you'll hopefully get something if in the event that you missed it completely. A good rule of thumb here when you're trying to think of the total score of the last game of the week, hop on cool bet and look and see what they have set the line at for the over-under of that game. Those guys are usually pretty close. I don't know why I'm giving away tips for me to be successful and helping others. I was going to say, what are you doing? But uh, that's that's what I'm doing right now. I want the people to enjoy their experience, Tino. Uh, so check out Coolbat, and you know, usually around 22, 23, 24 is going to be your sweet spot when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yep, and then the odd time you get a runaway game one way or the other, and somebody with a outlier wins it. Yeah, and the one thing I want to try and avoid here is Evan's grimy little hands dipping into a hat to pull out a winner for the tiebreaker. I think it only we, happened once. Well, I think we need a new system because I got screwed on that last year. And just to be uh, clear, uh, we did it. Live Evan has still with the cameras on. Yet you saw the whole thing. Tracy picked it. I didn't. Evan still has yet to win a week of who you got in three years of doing this. Just so we're all. Yeah, but I also on the same our page contest every single year. So let's that. let's get that point. Still winless for Sheminar. All right, uh, it's week number one. I'm hosting. I've decided that I don't even care what you guys think. We're doing this, and well, it's uh, good you get to host once this season. So that's good. Yeah, we'll see about that, <laughs> Sheminar. We'll see about that. Says the guy can't even make a horse noise. Uh, all right. Uh, we're going to start on Friday night, December the 2nd. It's a 6 p.m. 
Maritime start. So what are we talking here? Is that 2 o'clock on the West Coast, Evan? No, so 6 p.m. Eastern, so it's 7 o'clock. Okay, all maritime. Eastern times on uh, on the website here? So it's, it's Yeah, so it would be 3 o'clock Pacific. I'm not even going to mention times because I'm just going to get confused doing that to myself. It is Philadelphia 0-0 zero and zero, up against the Halifax Thunderbirds 0-0. Zero and zero. Evan, who do you got? This is a tough one right out the gate, and I went back and forth on this one a few times. Philadelphia, can they get the offense going? Halifax, can they get over the injuries and the bugs and everything they have? Uh, I'm not confident in this one. I'm going to take the home team for no other reason than they're their home team. Give me the Thunderbirds for a four. Thunderbirds for a four, marking that down. Tina Farah, who you got? I'm also going to go with the home team, the Halifax Thunderbirds. I'm a little more confident than Evan, though. I'm going to give that a six. Oh, well, I like the way you think, young man, because I am also taking the Thunderbirds, and I'm also taking the T-Birds for a six. Next game up is Saturday. It's the TS. Both those games are TSN games of the week, by the way. This one going down in the hammer. It's the Toronto Rock on supposed guaranteed win night. Evan, I we know who you're taking here. Who you got? Yeah, and well, I mean, by rule with who you got, I'm not allowed to take the Vancouver Warriors until December 31st. We established that last season. That's right. But oh, uh, bet's a bet. That's right. I forgot yes. about the bet. Yeah. Yes, but I would have taken the Toronto Rock regardless. The Toronto Rock for a seven. Tino, who you got? Yeah, this one was actually a little bit a little bit more tough for me. Uh, but I am taking the Toronto Rock. On their home floor, this is going to be my four pick, however. You know where I'm going with this one. It's Vancouver. I don't even care. You know, like, I I considered maybe going with the Don Taylor strategy this year for, for my picks where, I don't know if you guys know who Don Taylor is or not, and you might be a little ahead of your time, Tino, but he his gambling strategy is he would always pick against the team that he didn't want to win. So if he was a Vancouver guy, he would pick the other team. And then if Vancouver won, he would still be happy. And then if they didn't win, at least he won his bet. You know what I'm saying there? But I'm not doing that. I don't care if it's guaranteed win night. Dalek, I hope you have to get off your wallet and give everybody a free ticket to another upcoming rock game. Give me Vancouver and give me a three. Next game, Albany at Buffalo. Evan, who you got? I'm just not set on the Albany Firewalls this year. Just too many changes. It's going to take some time to get this team to gel. Buffalo Bandits at home for an eight. Eight for the Bandits. Tino, who you got? First of all, I love Don Taylor. Yeah. Uh, okay. Second of all, uh, give me Buffalo. This is my eight pick. This is also my eight game. You hear that, Chugger? Western bias. No. Bandits for an eight. Yes. We're all taking it. It's to be Western bias on their both in the East. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's a Western guy taking an Eastern team and giving them an eight. San Diego goes across the continent to Long Island. Will the Gick effect come into play here? We shall soon find out. Seals visit the Riptide Saturday night. Nassau Coliseum. Crowley, Dixon, Dobie against Teat and company. Seals at Riptide. Evan, who you got? 
another tough one, but for the simple reason that I think I trust the defense and goaltending in San Diego a little more than I do in New York, give me the seals for a five. Do you know who you got? Yep. I am copy and pasting Evan's answer there. I got seals down. Well, for a how about that? That's a clean sweep. San Diego also for a five. I think we might be on to something there, fellas. Two more games to remain here, both on Saturday night. Nighthawks and Swarm. This is an early conference matchup, and uh, you know both teams want to get off to a good start here. But Evan, Swarm hosting the Nighthawks. Who you got? Like I said before, uh, I just think that with Rylan Reese out of the lineup, I don't like Rochester's chances. Georgia for a six. Tino, who you got? This is my seven pick, Georgia for a seven. It's almost like we talked to each other before we actually did this. I got the swarm for a seven as well. Final game might be the toughest game of the week, in my humble opinion. Defending champion Colorado Mammoth, who always seem to play the rush tough, especially in Saskatchewan. And that is what we have week one, Mammoth at Rush. Evan, who you got? That's the problem. The Mammoth, I think, might even have a winning record in Sask. It's it's that difficult for the Rush to win this, and they are notoriously slow starters. For that reason, shocker, I am taking the Colorado Mammoth for a three. Goodness, you better watch yourself walking into Sastel this week. I wore a Warriors jersey to, yeah. to a rush game. Come on now. It's different. It's different. Tino, who you got? Yeah, I actually think this is going to be a revenge season for Sask. Uh, and I think the injuries are going to be too much here for Colorado in this game. So give me Sask for a three. You know what? Now that I think about that, the injury, I you know, when I made these picks, I've didn't really realize Tyson Gibson and Wardle were going to be out. Man, do they want to, you know, it's a new year there. I think I'm going to switch my pick here. I've been flip-flopping back and forth. I had color, but I'm switching. I, I'm taking Saskatchewan here, and I'm taking them for a four. Save. That's the other thing, Evan. Don't forget at the very bottom there, right before you put your tiebreaker score on the bottom left-hand corner, save and apply. You want to make sure you click mm-hmm. that button at the bottom of the screen. Don't forget the links are both on Instagram and Twitter, direct links, or you can go to officepooljunkies.com, search up Stampy Tack or who you got. Two T's on the end of God. Do we need to tell people why there's two T's on the end of end of God? <laughs> we don't go into that story, but it's Office Pool Junkie, not Junkies. Well, junkie. I'm going to tell, tell them. Well, first off, you know, the, what, the what boys... What is that, Office Pool Junkies? Well, it's it's a website, you know. It's a website. <laughs> two T's on God, two T's in Elliot. My name gets spelled wrong all the time. That's why there's two T's in God. And, and, and you know, maybe a quick plug for Office Pool Junkie because they do this for free for us all season. Sure. They actually have a number of different options on here. If you want to create your own pool, um, everything from just a straight up pick 'em to a uh, picking against the line to a survivor pool even. So you can pick one winner each week, and if you're right, you survive. If you're wrong, you're out. And uh, there's there's options there for you. If well, you the other thing other that you know, I know a few people did is they, they created more than one account. You're more than welcome to do that. There's no yep. limit on how many accounts and how many picks you want to make. More people, the merrier as far as I'm concerned. So you can sign up as many times as you want. And I'll also say this, people. 
Um, I know you're listening to the podcast right now, and games don't come up until Friday, and you might think, oh, you know, I got time. I got to just do it now while you're listening, while you're thinking about it, and do not miss out on this because you'll just kick yourself right in the ass if face-off goes on Friday, you hadn't got your picks in, and then you're behind the eight ball right from the get-go. So take like it literally takes a minute and a half, two minutes tops to get signed up, make your picks, and you're in on the fun all season long. So do it, do it now, and have some fun with Stampede Tax, who you got. That was a monster program, fellas. I appreciate you guys hanging with me, doing that. I know the listeners do as well. I want to thank them for listening to the podcast, to Phil Sanderson and Jeff McComb for stopping by. For a chat on the pod to our sponsors, of course, Rycor, Cool Bet, Stampede, and Associated labels and packaging for their continued support on the podcast and we look forward to having those guys on board for another year here as well and still a new sponsor to come on the pod here in the next couple of weeks as well look forward to announcing that we'll be back next week every week right here on the lacrosse flash podcast network ep 213 is up next week we got the commissioner coming don't forget about that but for now, we got to go for Tina Farah and Evan Schemenauer. I've been Jay Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.